Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. Well, today is the last Monday before the election, and you know I always do Marvelous Motivating Monday. But after listening to a couple interviews and doing some research, I decided to do one more episode before the election so you can really pay attention to the people in the White House. I decided to make today's episode Mysterious Malicious Melania Monday. And the reason why is because there's a lot of times we would say, poor Melania, I feel bad that she's married to, well, I'll say me and others would say, we felt bad that she was the quiet, meek, laid back person with this obnoxious husband. But behind closed doors, maybe she was just as malicious as he is. Because when you hear some of these audios and then you have this coming from someone who was her, one of her best friends before she was the first lady putting it all out there because they trying to frame her for some things she said she didn't do. I think you might want to just listen to Melania's own words and tell me, is she really uh, the mysterious person? Is she malicious? Is she innocent? Remember, she was using her platform to stop cyber bullying, considering the fact that her husband is the number one cyber bully in the world. I think she failed. So she has so many interviews, and this is the author, her former best friend. She has so many interviews going on between Anderson Cooper, Rachel, Ma <clears throat> excuse me, Mata, uh, and also, I'm sorry, y'all. And also, she was on The View with Whoopi, and a couple of the ladies were asking her questions. So I'm just going to play all the audio back to back to back so you can listen to some of the things she's saying, and so she may still be mysterious, but I'm thinking she's a little malicious too. So that's why today we're going to call this Mysterious Malicious Melania Monday. Most glamorous first ladies ever. Melania has been the first lady of the United States for almost four years, but unlike her husband, she's still a mystery. Melania does not want people to know who she is or what she's about. And Melania, by remaining mysterious, by keeping up that steel wall, she doesn't have to answer to anyone. Stephanie Winston Wolkoff is one of the very few to get close to the real Melania Trump. As you'll see, they're not friends now. But for 15 years, from the early 2000s, they were inseparable. More than anyone, she understands the Trump's complicated love. This is not a typical, typical marriage or a typical relationship. They are there for one another. They um, have a reason for being together, which is beyond anyone's comprehension, um, except for being able to present themselves in a way that she brings or she brought some humanity to the presidency. Uh, Ms. Winston Wilcott, thanks again for being here. I just have to ask you if, um, should we understand this to be a verbatim, verbatim quote from the first ladies? These are se seemingly pretty insensitive comments she made about the kids she met at the border. Rachel, there's no way to fabricate any of my story. Um, and the only way to tell the story is to say it exactly as it was. Um, the fact that the White House um, is trying to disparage me and claim my character is anything but uh, what I know, 
again, I was a respectful person. Um, it's only going to have me discuss more and more the truth, the facts, and they're all either in some type of, you know, a semblance that has 100% backing. I would never do that otherwise. There's been some reporting, public source reporting around your book that says that um, part of the way that you can back up some of these verbatim quotes and some of these extensive detailed an anecdotes is that you do have some recordings of some of these conversations. Can you comment on that at all? Um, so Rachel, I, I haven't commented on the past. Um, and one of the reasons why I'm going to share this with you this evening is because I've been accused of taping my friend, as the White House said, and how horrible of a human being I am for doing that. And you're, and you're, and they're right. If I, if she was my friend, that would be horrible. But Melania and the White House had accused me of criminal activity and publicly shamed and fired me and made me their scapegoat. Um, at that moment in time, that's when I pressed record. She was no longer my friend. She was willing to let them take me down. And she told me herself, that is what, that this is the way it has to be. She was advised by the attorneys at the White House that there was no other choice because there was a possible investigation into the Presidential Inauguration Committee. And that's not how you treat a friend. So I was going to do anything in my power to make sure that I was protected. And at first, I really did think maybe she would come to my aid. Maybe she would tell the truth. She turned her back. She did. She pulled like a deck of cards, and I was shocked when she did it that you made in which you and, and Melania Trump are talking about her legacy. And it's really fascinating to hear her kind of just speak in this way. Let's, let's listen. Sure. That's fine. Who supports Melania? You do have a legacy. Yeah, but the thing, well, it doesn't come directly from, uh, yeah, what, what I put on Twitter comes from, it came from me. That's, they know about the children and they, they talked about it. But yeah. I'm just saying, you know, you're, you, you know what I'm saying. I, you, you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, you do know what I'm saying. It's, you shouldn't have people across the world. It's in New York. It was always Melania, Melania, Melania. Like, you know, I don't, I don't give a it's not about giving a it's, it's true. It's true. It's it, honestly, it's like, because it's, you know, it's honestly, I'm doing the same stuff that I did before. They, they cannot stand him. They, they know that I'm with him. Uh, they know that I'm. But they feel guilty for you before. Now that you're not saying correct, like, correct. Okay. All that stuff, all that stuff came out. They feel bad for me. My calls went out. They said, "Oh my God, she feels so. She's amazing. She's uh, uh, fantastic." What did you think when you heard that? And. It's so interesting because there was this whole idea of sort of, oh, she's, people felt bad for her, that she's with this guy, and she's sort of trapped in, in this situation. Is that, it doesn't seem like that's the reality at all. Well, Anderson, I just want to first start by saying that, you know, uh, when I first started taping uh, Melania, I had already left the White House and um, had already been accused of a criminal crime. And um, I... I mean, they threw you under the bus, basically. Very, very much so. The, the Trump... Uh, administration as well as the Presidential Inauguration Committee tandemly created a narrative that I wouldn't follow and I needed to be the scapegoat. With that being said, um, I truly genuinely went into uh, planning the inauguration with honor. Um, it is the United States of America and helping the First Lady set up her East Wing office. Unfortunately, there were too many roadblocks in the way. Um, so for Melania to create a legacy was, a, was going to be challenging regardless 
um, just because of the palace intrigue inside the White House, between the East and West Wing, between Ivanka and Melania. And, um, you know, she didn't have the support at first that she needed at all, quite honestly. Stephanie, I want to play another conversation you had with uh, the, the First Lady. This one is about her trip to the border when the Trump administration was separating kids from their parents and detaining them. Let's listen. All these kids that I met, they were um, they are here in the shelters because they were they were brought by it from, through coyotes. The people were trafficking, oh and God. that's why they put them in jail. And the kids that they go in shelters, and the way they take care of them, it's you know they they even said the kids they say wow I will have my own bed I will sleep on the bed I will have a cabinet for my clothes. It's so sad to hear it, but. They have. They didn't have that in in their own countries. Right. They sleep on the floor. They are, you know, they are fed. They, they are re, they are taking care nicely there. But you know, yeah, they are not with parents. It's sad. But when they come here alone or with coyotes or illegally, you know, you need to you need to do something. Right. And a lot of you know, a lot of like moms and kids, they they. They are teached how to do it. They they go over and they say like, oh, we will be killed by gang member. Uh, we will be, they, you know, we will be. Um, it's so dangerous. Mm -hmm. So they they allow to stay here. Do you understand what I do? And they're the ones that are the bad ones. Yeah, and they are not. You know, it's not. It's not true that they would. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Some of them they're using that lines that you know they they're kind of not professional, but they are. They are teached by other right. people what right. to say to, to come over and to you know to to let them go to stay here because you know they could easily stay in Mexico but they don't want to stay in Mexico because Mexico doesn't take care of them the same right. as America does. You also had a conversation with First Lady about her role as First Lady and some of her duties, including Christmas at the White House. I want to play that. You say I'm, I'm complicit. I'm the same like him. I support him. I don't no. say enough. I don't do enough. No. It's a, I put a, I'm working like a ass my ass. I know Christmas stuff that, you know, who gives a f about Christmas stuff and decoration, but I need to do it, right? Yeah, but correct. A hundred percent. You have and no then, choice. And okay. And then I do it and I say that I'm working on Christmas and planning for the Christmas. And they said, oh, what about the children? They were separated. Give me break the, uh, where, where they were saying anything when obama did that i know they thought i cannot go i i was trying to get the the kid reunited with the mom i, I, I didn't have a chance it needs to go through the process and through the law but here's my thing did you hear what you just said but instead of that if, if you're just you're messaging you you were so loved. They you were. would not do the story. We put it out. They would not do the story. I'm telling you. They would not believe it. No. They would not do the story because no, they no. are not. They would not do the story because they are, they are they are against us because they are liberal media. Yeah, if I go to Fox, they will do the story. I don't want to go to Fox. It's so interesting. I mean, one, uh, there's uh, to hearing her being hostile toward, you know, that preparing the White House for Christmas, uh, you know, I certainly doesn't drive with, you know, the Fox whole idea. I mean, from talking about war on Christmas, um, it's, it's funny that she would be leading that. that. Um, but certainly it, it's one of those traditional roles. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's fascinating her talk like that.
you know, I think Melania has an internal conflict and it's, I, you know, just back to the border for a moment. Yeah. I think that, you know, as a mother, those maternal instincts in her were set off and she really did care, but there is no husband to go home to the leader of the free world to discuss how she's feeling about that. So regardless of that, she steps in line and she, um, you know, just decides that what she's heard and what she's been told is um, what the rule of law is in our country. And that's why I think, you know, we are watching our democracy turn into a dictatorship at this point. Um, and it's a brainwashed type of um, cultish, you know, people keep using that word so loosely, but you know, that's what I think of. And on the other, on the flip side, you know, Melania, um, the traditions of first lady and president have gone out the window with this couple. Um, and I feel that if there were, I mean, there's so much that could be done. Um, but again, no support, no understanding, um, and no... Um, so she can't go to the president and talk to him at the end, of the, they don't sit around and talk at the end of the day or have dinner as a family and discuss things that are going on? They do, but I, you know, I think that the poli policy is, is going to rule out always, and Donald is in charge of that. Um, Melania, again, as, as you know, the, um, the person with more emotion um, than Donald, um, has to, again, like I keep saying, it is about towing the line. Mm -hmm. That infamous jacket that she wore on her trip to the border, um, which said, uh, I really don't care, I think. I, I don't remember exactly. Uh, but you had a conversation with her about it. Let's play that. All the time that he's only one right. for everything. So, you understand? I do. So what So what? What prompted you to want to buy that jacket? <laughs> I'm driving liberals crazy, that's for sure. And that's, you know, that's what, and they, they deserve it. You understand? I know. And uh, they, everybody's like, oh my God, this is the worst, this is the worst. After, I mean, come on, they, they are crazy, okay? Because at the time, First Lady, uh, you know, Stephanie Grisham said, quote, it's a jacket, there was no hidden message. So what was the message? Well, as I, dis I do discuss in the book, and I think it's really important, the messaging in her office, in the East Wing and the West Wing, um, there is no synergy. Um, when I had spoken to Melania about it, I, I said to her, didn't you really maybe mean that you weren't, you know, I don't care to you? The message should have been, I don't care what anyone thinks, conservative, liberal, I don't care who you are. I'm doing the right thing as a mother and as the first lady of the United States of America and going to the border and visiting the children, whether it's covered or not. Um, so she is in a position where she doesn't have the support either within the office um, to even have the proper messaging for that's, her. So that's really interesting. She thought that was the message, like she's going to the border, she, she cares about it, um, no, no, no. Uh, no, no other first lady has done this. I mean, it's totally uh, not what the shirt act, the, the jacket actually said. I mean, it made it sound like she doesn't care. And do you? I mean, the whole but thing. That, no, that was that was my take on it. Excellent. So you guys were friends for 15 years. You thought you guys were tight, but it appears that you were not as tight as you may have thought you were. What took you so long to realize it, it was not reciprocal the way you hoped it would be? No, I feel that the friendship that I share with Melania was one that um, really took place between Melania and me, right? There were no other um, people involved. I wasn't spending time with Donald. I mean, she and I were spending a couple hours together, um, you know, at our lunches or in, in our homes. We weren't on outings as girlfriends usually do. So when I look back on it, I realized we, we did have a very close 
connection, but maybe, you know, it really did grow more intensely as, you know, the year 2015 was coming to an end. Ms. Wilcock, uh, you recently revealed that you secretly recorded your conversations with Melania. I I've said on multiple occasions, I said to Mary Trump, I don't like tell-all books like this. I think they're in really bad taste in general. And I think secretly recording your friend and selling its contents for profit certainly ups the ante and seems not only unethical, but just gross. The First Lady's office says you're, quote, just out for revenge, given all the damaging details you've chosen to share. Can you honestly just sit here and tell me that's not true? And just on a personal level, if someone did this to my mother and she has an aide that she's incredibly close with who would never do anything like this and has been with her for over 20 years, it would break my family. Do you understand the implications of this that it could have on them just as people? Absolutely. And um, first of all, thank you for asking that question because it's one of one of the biggest misconceptions out there right now. Um, just so you know, I did not write this book for money. I did not take any advance for this. This was for me to be able to tell the true story um, and not be anonymous anymore. Um, I'm on the record. All the stories that crushed me, burned me, and the, you know, the White House propaganda machine made up about me that made headlines around the world broke me, my integrity, my, 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 my life literally went into shatters because of exactly what you're talking about. I didn't press record on a friend. I pressed record after I was accused of a crime and I was thrown under the bus and I was told by my friend, I'm sorry, this is the way it has to be. So that's when I pressed record. Otherwise, I agree with you completely. Um, and I would never record a friend. But what happened to me is, again, um, uh, and the White House putting out their own messaging. And again, they're going, it's almost cultish, Megan, and it's, and it's wrong. And they will say things over and over and over. The fact is, I do have the facts. I do have the proof. And I am willing to actually stand by every single word. And with this family, that is so important. Because one of the biggest reasons why I wrote this book was not only to get my sense of clarity back and my own sense of self back, was but for the country to understand who these people are and that these are the people behind closed doors running our country. And they are not doing it in your best interest, right? Like, uh, it, it, for me, you know, it's, it's not what you can, you know, do what, what your country can do for you, which is all about what the Trumps are about. It's what can you do for your country? And that is the main reason why I went and helped my friend because no one else would. So there's a lot here to talk about, but there's also a lot here to understand that people don't know yet about them. And I felt it was my obligation, not only as, as someone who experienced it firsthand, but someone who knows the depth of their corruption, the depth of their deceit, the depth of their um, just disregard for everyone. And especially, even, I mean, look what he's doing. I mean, and I apologize respectfully for what things he said about your father and about war heroes. And I mean, it's, there are no words to explain this. And so if had I kept my mouth shut, that would have been the hardest thing for me to do for the rest of my life. Just really quick, we do have a legal ABC note. We heard from Melania Trump's office last night and her chief of staff, Stephanie Grisham, said that your, quote, intent to secretly take the First Lady and break your NDA in order to publish a dishonest book is a sad attempt to advance your own name. Simply put, it is an exercise in narcissism and self-pity. Um, so I also so thank you for bringing that up as well. Um, the uh, Department of Justice reached out to me, as well as Trump's personal lawyers, as well as the White House, in July, trying for me to stop this book. Uh, I did not break the NDA. I've been working with First Amendment lawyers the entire time, pre-publishing lawyers. So this was handled extremely carefully. It was done properly. And again, this wasn't supposed to turn into what it turned into, which is extra levels. But if they're going to come after me again, 
and after my integrity and my character, I am going to stand up for myself. So no, I did not break the NDA. All right. Okay, Stephanie. Yeah. Sticking your neck out in this for this for this administration in these particular times is not easy to do. So good for you. Here's my question. Melania calls Ivanka princess, and according to according to your book, and I understand that Ivanka calls Melania the portrait, which is funny. To me, that's very funny. I mean, it means that she's just sort of a painting that doesn't speak, I guess. That's according to Ivanka. But anyway, um, you describe Ivanka as a leaker and an opportunist who basically tried to sabotage Melania. But you said Melania is no angel either. She even blocked Ivanka from the cameras at Trump's swearing-in ceremony with your help. So why is there no love lost between these two? Is it, is it because, do you think, uh, it's so clear that Ivanka is Donald's favorite and maybe Melania doesn't like it that he prefers his daughter to her? Well, let me, I just want to clarify, I mean, during the inauguration, thank you, Joy, is that, you know, again, it was petty, I, I do say that in the book, um, it wasn't as if Melania would have even thought to block Ivanka, honestly, and, and I'm saying that with all due respect, it was the fact that Ivanka put herself out to be first and foremost in front of everyone and everything that took place during the inaugural, so it wasn't her place to want to, you know, uh, be the first event, stand next to her father. Um, it is, there is no love lost, but I think that, um, you know, when I first arrived at the White House, uh, Ivanka already had strategized with her, um, you know, innermost circle, you know, she had leverage already. She had the people in place that needed to set her up. They had already, you know, assigned job posts, salaries, um, uh, titles, and, you know, Melania was left with nothing. So there is a big discrepancy, and I think that it all starts back when you can even look at um, the way that Ivanka's, you know, branding. But the genius is a branding. So Ivanka slaps Ivanka Trump on her on everything that she makes. It's a it's a success. Melania tries to do something. She straps, you know, slaps an M on it for Melania. It doesn't do so well. So yes, obviously Donald is going to put his, you know, his last name on his daughter, which he's done. Wow, you know, it's so uh, funny to me because. I really and truly did not know that the beef between Melania and Ivanka was that strong. But if you go online and look at the picture of the inaugural, you will see how they blocked Ivanka. That's petty, but that proves that Melania ain't the angel that everybody thought she was. And she does have a malicious bone in her body, actually several of them. Uh, I do have a legal note. Uh, we also just received a comment from uh, a White House spokeswoman for Ivanka. They say these are absurd, petty, and desperate accusations from a clearly very insecure and paranoid person. Uh, but you don't have to respond to that. It's just their I, statement. Okay. Thank you. Well, I know one thing. She should respond to it because I think that what she was saying is really true. And that's why the statement came out while she was on The View. And I think you guys may uh, do some research and see that she is a lot more malicious and less innocent as we all thought she was, including myself. So that's why I named today uh, Mysterious Malicious Melania Monday. And I just really hope that you guys pay attention to some of the things that she said. So imagine the things we don't know about. 
I want you to know how deeply honored I am to endorse you. Oh, you have no idea what it means to be a part of your campaign and be a part of doing what's right for this country. And I feel good about it. I'm not going to change my party, but I believe what I'm doing is the right thing. In this administration, there is no character or integrity or values. Uh, that's why you're so important, because you represent all of those things. Well, thank you. And, and more so. And, and indeed, what this country needs right now, completely. Empathy and compassion. That is, a lot of, a lot of times, that's the only thing we really need on a day that's really bad. And your empathy and compassion for those less fortunate have meant the world to me, and I know to many people. Well, that's who John was. That's who John was with me. You know, I, I had just lost my family when yeah. John and I met. Right. And the way John embraced my boys, Hunter and Bo. I love to watch the two of you go at it on the floor and you go <laughs> arm in arm off the floor. You didn't always agree and you, you were so good at that. And that bipartisanship and the, the common ground was really what made the two of you very special. Cindy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. I love you. you. Bravely decided to cross the aisle and throw your support behind uh, Joe Biden, your husband's old friend. Uh, and I'm wondering, how is that playing in your home state and with your friends, with your Republican friends? Are they are they okay with that or are they turning on you? What's going on? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, 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 the reason I did this is because I, like many Americans, want a, a, a country that's more civil that has a, a leader that that is not only not only has a plan for not just COVID, but a plan for the country to dig it out of this mess. But it more importantly, respects our troops and respects our 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 men and women who serve. Uh, I just do not believe that my two sons are losers and suckers. And so there were a lot of reasons that was kind of the the culminating portion of it. And I really believe that 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 Joe can put us back on the right track. Something's got to put us right on the back, back on the right track, and I believe both Joe and Kamala can do that. Love it. Okay. Sunny. Well, well, good deal. Cindy, speaking about um, um, Kamala, you said that this wasn't just about Joe Biden because you've worked with his running mate, Senator Kamala Harris, uh, before. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I've, I've worked with Kamala on uh, human trafficking issues, and in particular on the back page issue, which Kamala was a huge uh, portion of making sure that we put those guys, you know, try those guys and put them away. Uh, that was a huge thing that, that she was able to help us get shut down. And um, she she's a brilliant mind, not only in that arena, but of course in many different issues as well. Uh, they make a good team. Well, the great thing is that you don't always have to agree with 100% of what somebody right. stands for. You have to agree that they are the best person to take the country in hand and move us forward. And so I just have to say, I, it was beautiful to see. And such a, as Joyce said, it, 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 was, a, it was really elegant and wonderful. And I just appreciated it because it's now not even about left and right. It's about forward. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. How do we get forward no. and pass this insanity? Well, you know, well, the, you know, the thing Joe and so, oh, I was going to say, I'll let you go first. Go ahead. You talk. 
No. Well, the, the thing about Joe and John were, and they were a perfect example of what was right about America, was that they worked together. They didn't always agree. In fact, they rarely agreed completely on any issue. Mm -hmm. But they worked together for the good of the country, not the good of the parties. They would argue. Yes. Lunch afterwards. It was there were that was truly what the system was about in those days. Hmm. Well, your and husband proved that when say. he saved the uh, yeah. the ACA. Your husband really went in here and saved the ACA. It was like a moment of total patriotism. And again, we're in a, I believe, Cindy, that we are in an emergency situation in this country right now with Trump and mm -hmm. his enablers. And I, I absolutely salute you for for putting country above party it really is inspiring i wish that more of the republicans would do that and they they're so scared of him they're scared of losing their job you know how many jobs i have lost in my time my day so many jobs and yet they're so scared of losing their jobs it's not the worst thing in the world to lose your job it's it's upsetting every well, day sometimes 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 people need a change and i suspect we'll see a lot of what happens mm -hmm. when the election happens, I think we're going to see a lot of changes happening. And, and I think it's good because the thing you can't ever do with America is you can't take your eye off the prize. The prize is right. the American people. And once you sort of put them to the side, they don't really want to mess with you very much. First of all, Joy, I disagree with you. It is a devastating thing to lose your job. A rich person may feel that it's not such as Joy. And I love Joy on The View, but she's wrong when she said that it's not the worst thing. When you got money and you are a Caucasian person, you have a better shot of getting another job. So I disagree with Joy on that statement about losing your job. So that's some bull crap right there, Joy, and I got to call you out. But I wanted to play... Cindy McCain, first you heard her talking to Joe with her endorsing him, Joe Biden. And then you heard her on The View talking about why she endorsed him. And to my surprise, she also talked about some things she worked with Kamala Harris with. So I learned that in doing this research. So to make a long story short, this is the last day before the election. I'm trying to give the listeners every type of information in people's own words, not mine. You can go look all this up as I always encourage you to do your research. So if you haven't voted yet, I don't know what else I can tell you to persuade you that the Trump family and administration is definitely not something we want to do for the next four years. So I'm going to end my episode on that note. And I thank you guys for listening. And if you have any questions or comments or sub subject matters you want us to talk about or look into, please give us a call at 404-855-7723. Or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com. And you can definitely follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies, that's capital A as in Advocacy, capital L as in Ladies. And we ask that you follow us. I want you guys to follow us on my hosting uh, site, Podbean, so that I can go live. I don't want to go live with one or two followers. I need to have a lot of followers because right now I am classified as a newbie because I just started. But after the election, we're going to talk about more everyday things. And we're going to still talk about 
the pandemic and the stimulus package. But I want to get the election out there, the information out there for the independent and undecided voters, because this is definitely one of the most, if not the most important elections in history, definitely in my lifetime. And I want you guys to just stay informed and pay attention. So, you know, I like to end all my episodes with the question, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.